The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks once again for joining us here on Winning Ponies. I am John Engelhart. I am racing's regular guy, but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and this computer and this adult beverage. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, as you know, that the uh, the entries came in uh, yesterday for the Breeders' Cup, uh, so we're going to be talking a lot about that. And uh, my, my first guest... Actually, for the first time in his life, is going to have not one, but two horses in the Breeders' Cup. And that is Tim Glyshaw. Now, Tim is a top trainer in the Midwest. He races in Indiana, Kentucky, a little bit in Ohio. And uh, he's got one of the top Indiana breds, a very, very quick horse named Buchero, who... uh, upset the field in uh, the, uh, the the Woodard Stakes at, at Keeneland at odds of 42 to 1. A huge win there. Uh, he, was, he was 26 to 1. Uh, the Woodford Stakes, he did have another long shot, though, uh, that went one up in Canada, and that is Bullard's Alley. He was the one that was at 42 to 1. But boy, talk about a long shot trainer. Uh, Bullard's Alley will be going in the $4 million turf. Again, Buchero in the $1 million turf sprint. Both of those races on Saturday. So I'm looking forward. Uh, Tim's one of those guys. He's an up-and-comer. I love talking to guys like him that are going to be the stars of, of the future. Uh, you may recall, oh, it was about uh, two months ago, I had a gentleman by the name of Harlan Malter on Winning Ponies. And he was the managing partner of Iron Horse Stable. Well, Iron Horse Stable is the owner of Buchero. So see that? You come on Winning Ponies and good things happen to you. And uh, so uh, we're going to be talking Breeders' Cup and kind of his development as a trainer uh, with Tim. And then uh, we're also going to have Vance Hansen's on. I've known Vance since uh, he was a a writer with the uh, Daily Racing Form. Uh, He was a publicity assistant at Canterbury. And now he's associate editor with Twinspires.com. Saw him in the Keeneland Press Box last week and said, hey, Vance, been a while since you've been on the show, so let's get you here. All right, well... uh, as you know, with the large pools on Breeders' Cup Day at Del Mar, you're going to want to definitely uh, maybe save some of your shekels uh, for next week. Again, two-day event, uh, the 4th and the 5th, Friday and Saturday. And you're, you're going to get those by coming to our site, getting the easy win forms. Uh, we're winning all over the place. Uh, just uh, oh six days ago at Belmont, we had a fifty cent pick five that paid three thousand five hundred and fifty eight, and we've only got a 
day left at Keeneland. No, two days, Friday and Saturday. We got Friday and Saturday at Keeneland. But uh, if you were there yesterday, we had a 50 cent Super 5 box that paid 2677 So make sure you go over to the site. Uh, I haven't got the official word yet, but uh, annually we do have a contest for you. It's a free contest uh, where we'll be giving out uh, various level prize gifts, usually one through five, one through six, in picking the top three uh, horses in the classic and then um, also the uh, closest final time of the race. Of course, the classic, $6 million. And uh, we'll get to that when we get to the uh, Breeders' Cup section of the show. Well, uh, it was only uh, two weeks ago uh, we lost uh, uh, P- Penny Shannery, and uh, we lost another one of the grand dams of the turf this week in Beverly Lewis. You may recall that her and her husband, Bob, were awarded the Eclipse Award of Merit back in 1997. Uh, they won their first Kentucky Derby winner with Silver Charm. And uh, they really had a had a passion for racing. It was first her husband, and then she adopted it too. So uh, be, they also won the '95 Preakness Stakes with Timber Country, who they co-owned with Overbrook Farm and Gainsway. And uh, so he went on to become a divisional champion as a two-year-old man. He was a big, good-looking horse there. Uh, and Charismatic, of course, uh, who earned Horse of the Year and Champion Three-Year-Old Male Honors. Uh, the other champions campaigned by the Lewises included Serena's Song, uh, the Three-Year-Old Philly Eclipse Award winner, and the Speedy Orientate 2000 Champion Sprinter, and Folklore, who in 2005 was the champion Juvenile Philly. So uh, another passing of a great queen in the sport of racing well this is recent news right here because he was getting ready to go into the six million dollar classic and that is keen ice um of course he'll forever be remembered for his upset victory over none other than triple crown winner american pharaoh and the 2015 traverse stakes he's going to miss the breeders cup due to an ankle injury. Now, Jerry Crawford that's been on with us before, great guy, Donnie Gall Racing, he says he kind of banged up his ankle galloping the other day, and it was still showing signs of swelling, and he would have had to miss some scheduled breezes and just said, you know, when the swelling didn't come down yesterday, we just said, you know, we were going to retire him after this race anyhow. Why, why stress him? So you may recall that Calumet Farm bought into Keen Ice earlier this year. Of course, some people accused him of being a one-hit wonder after uh, he uh, beat American Pharaoh. He proceeded to lose his next 10 starts, including a third-place finish in the Breeders' Cup Classic. But he picked up a lot of checks along the way. Uh, he was... Uh, he, he did uh, defeat uh, heavy favorite uh, Shaman Ghost in the Suburban Stakes at Belmont Park. And then uh, he was coming into the Breeders' Cup off a runner-up finish in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, a grade one. So, uh, you know, he, he cer- certainly uh, earned every bit of his $3.4 million. And uh, I think he'll do just fine when they decide where he's going to end up as a stallion. Another one that's going to end up as a stallion, we just found out, was Noble Bird has been retired. He's going to stand at Ocala Stud 
They have not announced yet what his stud fee will be. So uh, that's going to be awful good for uh, the uh, Florida uh, breeding people. Uh, he closed out 2016 with back-to-back wins in the Lucas Classic Stakes at Churchill and the Fayette Stakes at Keeneland. And in the latter, he added a track record to his resume, winning the Fayette by five and three quarter lengths in 147.75, setting a new record for a mile and an eighth. And that record still stands. So he uh, uh, had a 109 buyer for that performance, giving him a trio of 108 or higher, ending his career. He's a son of Birdstone. Uh, retires with a record of 7-4-0 from 23 starts and earned over $1.3 million. Noble Bird to Ocala Stud. Well, we're talking about the Breeders' Cup now. There are nine previous Breeders' Cup winners were pre-entered in the races, uh, led by, of course, defending Breeders' Cup Classic winner Arrowgate, and Gunrunner, a three-time grade one winner this season, an all-star international cast uh, has been uh, uh, drawn in there. Uh, 46 horses from overseas. Of course, uh, defending champ Longines turf winner Highland Real will be in there. And he's not even the favorite in the field that he's in. So uh, this is the 34th uh, Breeders' Cup. If you're counting, uh, it seems like uh, that's happened awful fast, but perhaps I'm uh, showing my age. So among the statistical highlights of this year's pre-entries, a total of seven races are oversubscribed with more than 14 horses and more than 12 in the turf sprint. And there's 50 horses who qualified for automatic starting positions through what we've had all season long, the Breeders' Cup Challenge Series. They've been pre-entered and uh, the uh classic trainer Aiden O'Brien has pre-entered 14 horses the most among any trainers one more than Chad Brown so uh, Coolmore who has their hand in a lot of different horses uh, and their partnerships they lead all the owners entered with 14 horses pre-entered so uh, Breeders Cup coming up and we're going to be talking uh, more about that when we get Vance Hansen on the phone with us and uh, let's see whatever other national news we might have. We didn't have that much racing last week. Um, the uh, of race, of course, is going to take place at Del Mar. And uh, my our friend Ron Paolucci, always grabbing the headlines. This time, he's not a happy guy. Uh, he said that he can't get his two-year-old filly, Heaven Has My Nikki, into one of the races because she has yet to start in a race, even though he had was anted up his, his fee. Um but uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens, especially if that field doesn't full. And we got a new sponsor of the Kentucky Derby, a good friend of mine, Woodford Reserve, signed a five-year deal with the Kentucky Derby. It only makes sense. Uh, just think about the advertising on those mint juleps. So uh, the Yum branding is gone and Woodford Reserve is in. And for some reason, it just seems right. Uh, I know Yum was a Kentucky-based company, but Woodford Reserve, bourbon, horses, women, that's what you think about when you think about uh, uh, Kentucky. And, and of course, the big horses that are going to be uh, in the Breeders' Cup, Arrogate and Gunrunner, they are looking really good in their works in, in the morning. Um, Joe Talamo, 
came back to the saddle today. I don't have the race results, uh, but I'm glad that he did come back. He was sidelined over the weekend, recovering from an injury when a two-horse spill at Santa Anita back on the 19th. And our jockey of the week, well, it was Nick Juarez. What a week he had. Um, he uh, got jockey of the week at Laurel, of course, I handicapped that with Tom Lamar last week. He was in four of the 11 stakes and only finished off the board in one of them. He won the featured event, the $150,000 Maryland Million Classic with bonus points and uh, overcame a pretty rough race there. He got bumped and uh, came through. So uh, congratulations to Nick Juarez, who I believe is a uh, a third-generation uh, jockey Um and last week, he won 271745 with his six stake starts, um, and he's won 162 of his 938 starts this year. Um, as far as stud news, California Chrome, he's holding steady. He's going to stand for 40000 uh, so the same as last year, and uh, so again, he's he's at TaylorMade, forty thousand dollars. A lot of the farmers announced their stud fees, and I won't go into them. You can get them online if you want. Only got about a minute left, so let's reel off our uh, races we handicapped with Tom Lamar last week. The Maryland Million Nursery. Surprise, surprise, Graham Motion comes in with a first-time starter. Clever mind, Nick Juarez was in the saddle, paid $16.80. Two-year-old Colt, a son of Buffum, a son of Bernardini, who stands in Maryland for $2,500. Then in the Maryland Million Sprint Handicap, the winner was... Blue Moon Ace, who took over after quarter mile, led the rest of the way, and he was the odds-on choice in there. And in the Maryland Million Classic, we just let the cat out of the bag. It was bonus points. Nick Juarez, the horse had been facing a lot of graded stakes company all the time, rallied from ninth, one by two and three-quarter lengths. All right, that's a look at national news, a little taste of the Breeders' Cup, and we're going to get a better look at the Breeders' Cup with our next guest, the up-and-coming now on the national racing scene, none other than Tim Glyshaw. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back with Tim. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and as I told you at the top of the show, very excited to have Tim Gleishaw uh, joining us this evening. Just a little bit of background. Uh, he was uh, pretty much from Evansville, Indiana, just across the Ohio River from the home of Ellis Park in Henderson, Kentucky. Uh, he is a graduate of Indiana University, and just go to his Facebook site or his uh, his stable site, uh, and you'll see that he's very proud of that fact. Um, and uh, he, he, taught, he taught for a couple years. I didn't know that and uh, so he went into TaylorMade Farms internship program uh, started as a hot walker for one of the class acts in racing Bob Holfus at Churchill Downs. Uh, he was uh, grooming horses, a great guy to work under, and then Holfus trusted him enough that he asked him to take his assistant trainer's test and send him to Hoosier Park with 12 horses. And uh, Tim has really excelled in the uh, the Indiana program. I get to see him once in a while in uh, northern Kentucky or southern Ohio. Uh, so with no further ado, Tim Gleishaw, welcome to Winning Ponies. Uh, thank you very much. I'm glad you're having me on. Now, now, uh, Tim, I see that you know you, you didn't want to be a, pe- uh, a, a teacher or uh, at some point. What uh, what was it that guided you into horse racing? Um, to tell you the truth, I always watched horse. Ra- That's when when uh, the Breeders' Cup and the Derby were about the only things on TV, and I would always um, watch the Breeders' Cup and and some of the bigger races that were on national TV and watched. Uh, uh, easy go on Sunday silence and I, I always was interested in it and my real dad took me over to the to the uh um races at Ellis every once in a while and I started going more when I was in college and just never thought of it as a career and then one day I decided I just didn't want to teach anymore. You know, I loved coaching. I loved coaching basketball and soccer but the teaching just wasn't for me and uh Saw a intern. Uh, sorry, saw a commercial on uh, ESPN for TaylorMade internship internship program, and uh, uh, called them, and they took me, and I was there a year, and then started hot walking for Bob Holtis. And then uh, you were an assistant trainer with Cole Norman, who was a very respected horseman. Correct. I was with Cole for two years. I was with Bob for seven, seven plus, and I was with Cole for two. Um, I learned from both of them. Obviously, Bob's my mentor, so. You know, obviously, I I probably you know learned more from Bob. I was there longer, and we had nicer horses. We had some nice ones at Coles as well. Um, Bowestown won the big Crosby and such, but overall, it was more of a claiming stable. So I learned more about the claiming game there than I did at Bob's. Most of our horses at Holtus's were allowance stakes, high level claimers. Um, so, but I learned from both of them quite a deal, and obviously, neither of them are here anymore to see. What what's happened to us in the last week or so, which is a little bit sad. I mean, it makes me pretty proud that a lot of guys that have been on the backside for a long time 
uh, who came up to me the last week or so and told me that Bob would be really proud of of what we've done. So, well, yeah, that that, that that's fantastic. I'm sure he would. And and you know. I, Another thing, you kind of pay it forward. I mean, you you even given breaks to guys like uh, Tommy Drury that you brought on as a hot walker, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he could only wish that I'd hire him. <laughs> uh, we'll have to save the rest of that story for later. We could we could go on and on. Now, um, you're when when you first took out your license, where did you start? In Indiana, Kentucky? Tell me. Ellis Park. Uh, we, well, actually, I claimed my first horse, horse named Ann's Emblem from Steve Margolis at the very end of Churchill. Uh, Bob checked everything, made sure we were doing it right. Actually, I cleared out my small stock account, and the first four horses we had were horses that um, basically Natalie and I, they were in my name, but my wife Natalie and I owned and trained. So uh, we claimed Ann's, Ann's Emblem, and then she, we went to to Ellis Park, I had four horses, in, or three horses in training, and uh, um, bought another one from the hay and stall man for $1,000, and we ended up winning with him a few times, too. But at Ellis, we had six seconds with those two horses, and um, luckily, Bob, I still had the overflow for Bob Holtis, which uh, was uh, in that group, Lawyer Ron, so I still had 16 for him and four on my own, and that's really what kept us going early, and uh, uh, finally, we got to... Turfway Park and Ann's Emblem won uh, for us there. And, um, you know, those were pretty lean years back then. But, uh, you know, come a long way since. Got pretty big about four or five years ago. Had about 26 at Churchill and 25 at Indiana. But, um, you know, obviously uh, this year's been maybe not in money earned because we had the quarantine we went through down in Fairgrounds, which, you know, took its toll on us. But, uh, we survived it and fought through it, and uh, obviously, in 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 stature of wins, nothing's been better than this year. It's fantastic, and you let a name slide in there. I think I may have met your wife, uh, Natalie Ardwan, before I had met you. Uh, of course, that name will ring bells with a lot of people, particularly if you're from down around Cajun country, because her father, Ron Ardwan, it was the 25th leading rider in the world. Uh, he won 5,226 races, over $58 million in earnings, so uh, you, you, you kind of got lucky there. You, you really uh, landed into a good racing family. And from what I've been reading and everything, uh, she's a, a big part, particularly of Bullard's Alley. Correct. She's been uh, my assistant at, well, she was, basically, she she was a track photographer. That's where I met her at Lone Star right. in Louisiana Downs. And then she also was at Churchill for Reed Palmer when he had the contract here. And uh, um, she'd still come back to the barn after feed time and before she'd go to work and help out. But she's been my full-time assistant now, I believe, for six years. And uh, basically running the Churchill string, and I've always hired another assistant to run the Indiana string. And, uh, um, you know, Bullard, sort of her pet project, he came to us, and he was, you know, a little uh, skinny two-year-old and uh, um, a little bit wild. And, uh, you know, he started for Maiden 30, his first start, and and cracked his shin as a two-year-old, and we had to give him time off. And basically we gave him that time off in the barn and, uh, um Anyway, he's developed into to, you know what he was uh, when he won the Canadian uh, International, the Patterson Canadian International, and uh, you know couldn't be proud of him or her. And um, you know she's been a big help. Her her parents have helped us a lot. Obviously, my parents have uh, 
uh, financially supported me for years now when the, you know, when, during the time of hot walking at Holtus's and grooming at Holtus's cause it, it didn't pay much, you know? Um, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's very, very rewarding that, that, uh, for all of us and we're all very happy. Well, that, that, that's great. I mean, what, 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 a, what a team you guys make. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, uh, being married kind of changes the scenario a little bit, but it sounds like you, you kind of need her to, like, take care of that string while you're on the road going back and forth. Well, I, I spoke to one of your uh, owners. of. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Bullard's Alley real quick. He's just coming out of the grade one, uh, Patterson Canadian International, just blew the field away, I think by like 10 and a half lengths. Um, and the, the photos were great with the, the jockey just going crazy. Um, now, Bullard's Alley, is he on a plane going to Del Mar or uh, w- what's his location right now, if I may ask? Well, both of the horses are at Churchill now. Bushero came down from, from Indiana Grand to Churchill this morning. After the Woodford, we shipped him back up there because he's had the same gallop boy for two years, and uh, we wanted to make sure we didn't change anything. So he vanned down to Churchill to see We got down here this afternoon, about noon, and uh, Bullard obviously stabled at Churchill. They'll both leave tomorrow at around 7, 45, 8 o'clock to uh, van ride to Lexington, and then they'll catch the horse plane in Lexington and fly to San Diego together. And will you and Natalie be flying in uh, yourself on a separate flight, obviously? Uh, I'm flying from here uh, tomorrow before the horses leave um, and should be in San Diego by the time they get there. Uh, we've uh, been in one Breeders' Cup before, didn't actually get to participate, got scratched when we were out there. And I think Natalie has chosen to stay here. We've all asked her to go and we really want her there but she just doesn't she hates to fly and and the experience that we had last time probably has something to do with that but you know i don't think anything like that will happen this time you know we got scratched the day of the race with tap town he was in the breeders cup mile against golden sense and very realistically he had speed in the rail so he probably would have finished second and third in that race and uh state that didn't didn't think that he had a little bruise in his foot from the trip out and we had worked on it worked on it worked on it at the end of the day she didn't think that she, you know, he should run, and you know that's a that's a decision that we didn't agree with at the time. But you know, at the end of the day, they try to do what they have to to protect the horses, and you know, so we've had a bad experience. Now we're hoping to go out and have a really good one. So, well, you know, I I, I don't know if you feel like uh, you know the Rodney Danger field of trainers that you don't get no respect, but uh, you know, you win the the Grade One Canadian International at forty two to one. And then you go down with the Kentucky Blue Buds, and at twenty six to one, uh, Buchera gets the job done for you in that Grade Two two hundred thousand dollar race. Yeah, it was. Those are both extremely thrilling moments. You know, um, uh, Buchera's an Indiana bred to boot, so um, you know that was a bit special. And that day at Finland, at, at, at uh, Dick Enberg presented a trophy, and he's an IU graduate. I didn't say anything to him oh. at the time. I was totally lost in the moment. But uh, You're kidding! No. Um, so, you know, it's very, very special, and uh, um, both the wins were, you know, uh, Bullard probably. Bichero, I think he was the price he was basically because he has IN next to his name. Um, mm-hmm. because he's won lots of races on the dirt. He wasn't as prolific in the big stake races on the turf, but at the end of the day, he's really a turf sprinter. 
Um, he won a, a other than at Parks. He won a two other than at Indiana. He got beat two heads in the Mighty Bow at Churchill, and that's really what he likes to do. We just take advantage of the Indiana Bread Program and, and you know, where he's uh, won many stakes up there and, and, you know, sort of dominates those horses. Um, so, you know, that's why he was 26 to 1. Bullard, 42 to 1, you know, basically because he hasn't won a race all year. Now, um, I, being the trainer of the horse, can go back and tell you that there were two or three of those races that I think he probably is not going to go out and run 114 buyer, but he's going to run a really high number and probably win, you know, be right there, win the race. Uh, there was a two-mile race at Belmont that uh, he got in some traffic trouble, uh, and that happens in turf racing, and the Europeans finished one, two, three, four in there, and I think with a little less trouble, we probably finished third or fourth, and, you know, that's a pretty prestigious race. And uh, in the uh, American St. Ledger at Arlington, he uh, was getting ready to take the lead with Ired Ortiz on him at the 5-8 pole, and... Uh, one of the horses in the race made a right-hand turn right in front of him and pretty much ruined all all his chance altogether there. And he was pretty much running that race the exact same way he ran the uh, the Canadian International up at Woodbine. Um, was going to take the lead a little sooner, uh, but I think that you know Mike Maker had two nice horses in there, but they were too far back. At the end of the day, the horse we were getting ready to pass at the five-eighths pole won the race by three lengths. So. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of excuses there. He's never trained better than he has this year, um, uh, which is, you know, on paper, people never would believe that, but he's just full of himself, always wants to train, feeling good all the time, never any, you know, ailments or anything with him. And uh, uh, he just needed some luck. And obviously he does like a soft turf, and we're not going to get that in California, but we got that that day at Woodbine. And the only thing the soft turf does for him is it slows down the pace which lets him sit more comfortable two or three, four lengths off the lead. And that's what uh, Eureka did with him up there. And, you know, the rest is history. I think part of the length the mar- margin of victory was because we had told Eureka uh, and he knew from watching the previous races that in the Shingspiel up there, which was on a dry turf and he was a, it was a mile and a half also, um, he got run down. Uh, he was up two at the top of the stretch and got run down. So I don't think Eureka was taking any chances, obviously. You know, you don't at 42 to 1 go out and, 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 and tell your jock, you know, that you're going to win by 10 something lengths. You know, that was just a big <laughs> surprise. You know, during the race, um, when he had the lead at the top, I knew on the backside he was in a great, good position and probably going to hit the board because he was so comfortable where he was. Um, when he took the lead at the top of the stretch, I was happy. When he got up by two, I was still a little bit happy because I know he can get caught. He has a tendency to hang sometimes. And then, uh, when he got up five, I knew that the only way he's going to lose is the jack fell off. And um, <laughs> he almost did when, standing know, up celebrating. <laughs> yep. Then the rest, you know, the rest is sort of history. Bouchero, everything just set up perfect for him. It was a plan that came together. You know, I know people say this all the time, but we knew Greg Foley, source late in the range was going to go to the lead and he's a fast horse. We wanted to be second. We wanted to be, get the first jump on the leader. And whether it's, he's an Indiana bred in 26 to one, you know, they chose, the rest of the horses chose to sit back off of him in third, fourth, and fifth. And, you know, if you're going to give that horse two and a half furlongs to run, um, I'll take him against almost anybody. You know, I'm not crazy. You know, there's some obviously horses in the Breeders' Cup dirt sprint that, you know, are, 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 could probably run him down on the dirt. There's some, some probably in this Breeders' Cup turf sprint that probably can as well. But in that race that day, 
um, you know, none of those horses were going to catch him. And, and Fernando sort of eased up on him and hit the wire, and he still won by a length and a quarter, so, or length and three quarters, which is pretty impressive and a great stake at Keeneland on the grass as well. So. Well, uh, Tim Glyshaw, we're pretty much coming to the end of this segment, but very quickly, uh, you were just talking about jockeys. You're going to have some different riders up for the Breeders' Cup. Who's riding each horse? Um, well, uh, we're keeping uh, Fernando de la Cruz on um, Berchero because he's won so often on him and knows him. And I'm a big believer in stick who got you there. Uh, we offered the round on Bullard to Eurico da Silva because you can't not do that after that kind of win. Uh, his agent said he had obligations. He had to fulfill it Woodbine that day. So um, our replacement for him is Javier Castellano. Which is oh, I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Right? <laughs> so. Not a bad jack to uh, back into, Tim Gladshaw. Well, listen, you know, uh, you know this has got to be exciting. I mean, uh, it took you 12 years to win one graded race, and uh, <laughs> in eight days you won two. Uh and now you're heading to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. We'll be rooting for you. I promise not to bet either horse. Say hi to Natalie for me. And uh, all I can say is best of luck, Tim. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. We've been talking to Tim Gleishaw. Very exciting story uh, about uh, you know how his hard work and perseverance has gotten him to where he is. And uh, so uh, we'll be tuning in on Breeders' Cup Day. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. When we come back, we're going to be with Vance Hansen. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, porters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, and with me now, it's been a while since I had Vance Hansen on. Vance and I go back quite a way. I do believe he actually uh, made an appearance on my old The Regular Guy show at uh, River Downs when he was with the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, he started out as a publicity assistant at Canterbury Park. Uh, now he's associate editor with uh, Twin Spires and Brisnet. Vance Hansen, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, John. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. It was really good to sit down at the press box at Keeneland last week, look over my shoulder, and there you were. It had been a while. So, listen, remind me, Vance, were you were you a, a writer and a publicist first, or did you always have a penchant for horse racing? Uh, yeah, I started going to the races when I was about 10 years old with my dad and knew from an early age that I'd like to uh, work in the industry in some respect and kind of gravitated towards writing when I was in college and uh, got the racing form job uh, when I was about 22 years old and did some handicapping writing for them and have been with Twin Spires and Bristol for, for about 10 years now. So I uh, made a nice uh, career out of it. Now, when you were the publicity assistant at Canterbury and stuff, is that where you started actually honing your handicapping? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that was uh, definitely the first time I got to experience uh, got to be going to the racetrack every day and following the full card simulcasting around the country and had lots of opportunities uh, to do that uh, while doing my uh, internship there for two summers. Now, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, went to the University of Louisville Equine Administration Program. Aha, uh-huh. okay, so there's your big game with horse racing. I know, I know quite a few people that came through that program. Uh, usually the program out at Arizona gets the headlines, but people forget about this, the school you went to and the fact that, that they have an equine program too. Well, um, nonetheless, I, I, I got you now. Uh, obviously, we're going to look at some from New York and Kentucky before we go, but uh, I just kind of want to get – Paint with a broad brush your uh, your view of the Breeders' Cup this year. I know that's a big question to ask, but uh, I'm going to ask it. Yeah, uh, as usual, it's a very exciting uh, two days of racing we got coming up next weekend. Uh, lots of Eclipse Award implications in nearly every race. Uh, in particular, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, the Breeders' Cup, we've only had kind of a limited number of contenders. American Pharaoh was kind of a standout two years ago. Uh, last year, looking pretty much like a two-horse race on paper between California Chrome and Arrowgate, and that is the way it turned out. This year, uh, the Classic is a much more uh, deeper race. I think you got four legitimate win contenders. Three of them happen to be from the Bob Baffert barn Baffert obviously looking for a fourth consecutive classic. So uh, that race is going to be super. We've got superstars up and down uh, all over the two days of racing. Lots of European representation this year. Uh, just a very, very exciting uh, two days we got ahead of us. Well, when I uh, when I pulled down the, the pre-entries and <coughs> the, the, uh, the the odds by some, some different guys, uh, uh, Brad Free from the Daily Racing Forum, the distaff, I kind of, and I understand she's taking on older horses, but Abel Tasman, who's just had an unbelievable season at 6-1, to one, seems like there's a lot of value there, but uh, 
quite frankly, the odds don't fluctuate. It's one of the few races that isn't a full field. Uh, Stellar wins the tepid favorite at three to one. Uh, what you read on the disc staff, let me just run it down. Stellar Wind, Elate, who I just think has been sensational since uh, uh, her races in Saratoga. Uh, then you got Forever Unbridled, that's always there. Uh, Paradise Woods, and then Abel Tasman. Uh, the, the double-digit odds happen after that. Uh, what's your read on the disc staff? Well, it's a great race because we're going to have two championships decided in that race, three-year-old filly and older mare. Uh, I've been gravitating some time toward Forever Unbridled. Uh, she comes in uh, with a very light campaign this year, just two starts. She was coming off an injury earlier this year, uh, came back sensationally, winning the Florida Lee at Churchill, and then trained up to the personal incident at Saratoga, where you know, Songbird pretty much had the run of the race and uh, forever unbridled with a with the aid of a wonderful ride by Joel Rosario, uh, nailed her on the line to win by a neck. And, uh, and the, the fact that she doesn't have an interim prep doesn't bother me. This has been totally been by design by uh, Dallas Stewart. Uh, she did run third in the distaff at Santa Anita last year behind Beholder and Songbird, uh, uh, which in itself was a terrific performance behind two... Uh, you know, Hall of Fame quality fillies. So uh, I think Forever Unbridled uh, is going to be uh, my top selection in the disc staff. Very interesting. We're, we're talking with Vance Hansen, and Forever Unbridled is at 4-1. to one. Well, uh, we've probably the, the biggest favorite is uh, Bolt Dioro in the, uh, the juvenile, but the Philly and Mare Sprint, Unique Bella, is uh, back on the scene at nine to five. That's a full field, Vance. I know you took some interest in that race too. Yeah, I was looking at it the. You know, I was doing a piece earlier this week uh, for uh, Brisnet and uh, kind of giving my opinion on. There's seven horses trying to uh, uh, do back-to-back Breeders' Cup victories this year, and one of them happens to be Finest City in the Philly and Mare Sprint, and. I thought her chances, uh, you know, for the longest time weren't that good coming uh, up to this race again. But you know, I, the more I looked at her past performances earlier this week, the more I think that she could uh, be overlooked again like she was last year. I think she won at odds of 8-1 to one last year at Santa Anita. Um, the connections stretched her out a little bit uh, again this year as they did last year. Um, well beaten in the uh, Beholder Mile, and then she also finished second in the Santa Margarita. I thought those two route races were good efforts under the circumstances, but she's really a one-turn filly. Uh, she did run win the Santa Monica. She finished a narrowly beaten uh, second in the Humana Distaff on Derby Day. Uh, her only one really poor effort this year at around one turn was her last race in the uh, uh, Great Lady M at Los Alamitos. If you're willing to toss that race out, uh, she's been training up to the race uh, since then. Uh, you know, she's a she's the defending champion in the division. I'd give her a shot. You know, in the upper single digits. All right, we're talking with Vance Hansen, and he just uh, pointed out a fifteen to one shot that listeners of uh, Winning Ponies uh, uh, may want to take a second look at. Again, we got about a minute before the break, though. But in the classic, you said you know it might be a four horse race. I'm guessing they're probably the top four in the odds. Uh, Gunrunner two to one, Arrogate five to two. 
collected six to one, West Coast ten to one, and of those horses I just named, Arrogate collected and West Coast all out of the Baffert barn. That's unbelievable. It is, and uh, like I said earlier, it's unbelievable that he's won the race three years in a row and all with three-year-olds. I'm thinking he could do it again with another three-year-old West Coast. Uh, He's kind of turned into the wise guy horse, I think, in the last week, week and a half, and I seem to gravitate towards those, especially around Kentucky Derby time. But, uh, you know, this this cold has just been spectacular. His last two efforts uh, in the Travers and Pennsylvania Derby is coming into this race and absolutely terrific form uh you know there's questions out there about whether arrogate is the arrogate uh, that we saw last year and earlier this year uh, gun runner uh, is a very deserving favorite in the race but uh, you know he hasn't wanted a mile and a quarter yet and west coast has so um west coast i think uh, deserves a very long look in here and uh, i know you mentioned 10 to 1 odds there i think he's going to be significantly lower than that yeah, I think he will too. But if somebody will take my bet at 10 to 1, I'm willing to go to the window right now. Well, we got Vance Hansen with us here on Winning Ponies. It's that time where uh, we got to pay some bills, take a break. We come back, we're going to try to uh, look at three races that are going to be coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, usually the week before the Breeders' Cup, there's not too many graded stakes races, but we found three of them. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Vance Hansen. Uh, who's uh, kind of uh, located in the bluegrass stakes and is very familiar with uh, Keeneland. And uh, we've got the uh, Fayette stakes. It's the 60th running. They're going a mile and an eighth. It's a, it's a grade two, 200,000 on the line. Closing day at Keeneland. 
kind of a short field, but it brought together an interesting field. Now, Vance, in doing my homework, especially at Keeneland, now that they're back to a dirt track, I always like to say, well, okay, who's who's done well at Keeneland? Well, <laughs> I found this kind of ironic, Vance. The two horses that have actually won at Keeneland, they both broke their maiden a day apart from each other. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> and that, and that would be uh, Giuseppe the Great and Honorable Duty. Uh, now, the player did run a second at Keeneland, and that was in a maiden special weight uh, only five days before the other two. So <laughs> it's kind of interesting. So certainly we don't have a horse for course in here. And then I'm looking at this Neolithic, and I'm, the more I'm looking at him, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This horse has won $2.2 million, and he's never won a stakes race? Get out of here. It, it, it pays to run uh, a distant third in the uh, Dubai World Cup and the Pegasus World Cup. Uh, you can make a lot of nice dough that way uh, <laughs> facing uh, facing the big boys, but he doesn't face uh, quite, the, quite the competition in the Fayette, although, as you said, this is a really terrific field uh you know one of the horses you mentioned earlier that broke their maiden at keeneland is honorable duty who really has turned into one of the regional uh stalwarts in the handicap division over the past year uh and it all stems i think from uh late last year when uh, trainer brendan walsh had the uh son of distorted humor gelded and he really hasn't missed a beat since then uh he has three wins and two seconds uh uh, since that uh, since that occurrence and uh, comes in off a wire to wire victory in the Lucas Classic where he kind of showed some unexpected speed. Uh, honorable duty is just a very versatile animal, and I think this is going to serve as a really good uh, uh, prep for uh, next month's Clark Handicap. And uh, Corey Lannery will be in the saddle, uh, and he was the last time for the Lucas Classic. Uh, Giuseppe the Great, kind of an interesting horse. He's puts a, a, a few close calls in there, but he's still eligible for non-winners at two. I mean, this field is interesting. It is, and uh, I think the most high-profile three-year-old in the race is McCracken, who was actually yeah. my Kentucky Derby selection last spring. Uh, he hasn't run since the Travers, where he kind of threw in a disappointing effort. Um, I'm not going to go out and say that they're not going to try and win the the Fayette with McCracken, but I really think this is a more of a stepping stone race for next month's Clark at Churchill Downs. That's his home track. Uh, he has four wins and five starts at Churchill, and it's a great one event that I know that uh, the Connections would really like to have for him after uh, coming so close in the Haskell a couple of races back. So, uh, like you said, very interesting race. Honorable duty, Neolithic and McCracken, the clear uh, marquee horses here. Yeah, I, I've always been a, a big fan of McCracken because I really, I, I like uh, Brian Hernandez and Ian Wilkes, uh, you know, talk about dance with the one that brung you. I mean, these guys uh, stick together, but you says, you know, this horse loves Churchill. Yeah, you go back to October 12th to that workout, uh, best of 34, and you know, there's some nice horses working there. Um yeah, so I, I, I think uh, Wilkes, you know, after putting him away at the Traverse Stakes, he's going to have a fresh horse. Whether or not he wins the, uh, the, the Fayette will be, uh, will be up in the air, but it's a good point. Uh, he might be looking down the road a little bit. On the other hand, wouldn't shock me if, if he did well here. I mean, the horse uh, did run third uh, to, uh, sad to say, the ill-fated IRAP. 
uh, in the bluegrass stakes. So he's had a good trip over Keeneland, and sure wouldn't shock me if McCracken jumped up and ran a big one even after that layoff since the Travers. So, uh, again, that's the Hager Fayette, grade two, $200,000 at Keeneland. Let's see if we can get a couple more in here, Vance. Um Took a look at the uh, at Belmont Park, uh, mile and a sixteenth. The Athenia again, not a whole lot of graded stakes races uh, the week before the uh, the Breeders' Cup, but uh, nonetheless, uh, this race is pretty evenly set up. Uh, I think the slight favorite is off limits coming out of the Grade Three Noble Damsel at a mile on the turf at Belmont. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's other horses in here that have a real good shot, I think. I, we don't know anything about uh, West Disc uh, shipping in from, from Europe. Uh, I think uh, Queen Caroline might be one we want to keep an eye on. Uh, anytime Michael Matz ships in, I try to give his horses a good look, and it looks like this horse will be a big part of the pace scenario. Yeah, and uh, unsurprisingly, Chad Brown is has brought uh, is pretty loaded in a race like this. He's got three of the fillies and mares in this field, including uh, the early favorite off limits, who really took advantage of a strong of a strong pace in the Noble Dam. Someone won by nearly five lengths last time. I think she's going to be a pretty solid favorite when it, after winning three of four. Uh, kind of a price, I think, might be might uh, be with one of the other brown horses in here, Pen Jade. Uh, she's only had uh, one stakes appearance since she came to America, uh, finished last in the Tropical Park Oaks uh, last December at Gulfstream, but she's worked her way through the allowance ranks this year with uh, some explosive late kicks, including last time at uh, Belmont in a, a third-level allowance. Uh, she didn't really get a good pace set up in that race whatsoever, uh, 25 and 4, 51 and 1, still uh, turned on the afterburners late. Uh, you know, she just doesn't. She doesn't have the uh, stakes experience that Off Limits has, but I think she could be interesting in a price here. Uh, she has two wins and two seconds over the turf at Belmont. All right. Again, we are talking with uh, Vance Hansen, and uh, we got about three minutes to close it out with the Bold Ruler. It's a seven furlong affair, grade three, $200,000 on the line at Belmont Park. And uh, again, uh, the odds maker had a hard time splitting them here, Vance. Uh, they've got this Seymour uh, Dini at three to one, Linda Rice trainee that's reeled off three unbelievable races in a row, winning by double digit margins each time. I don't know what he started eating for breakfast, but it seems to work. Again, not against graded stakes company then you got stall walking dude who's won a million and a half dollars coming out of the grade one Vosborg, and then the lightly raced from the pletchard barn uh mr crow also coming out of the Vosborg, but his head was kind of a head scratcher where stall walking dudes was uh, a pretty solid effort yeah and stall walking dude actually won this race last year too uh this race has really come into its own, I think, in recent years. It's kind of a great race for uh, tweeners, you know, the horses that kind of like the seven furlongs that don't particularly want to cut back to six at the Breeders' Cup sprint or stretch out for the, you know, two-turn Breeders' Cup dirt mile. So it's really been attracting some good fields, and it's a good uh, prep for the Cigar Mile later this year. Uh, Seymour Dini, morning line favorite, is part of a 
is one of the major speeds in this race, and there is a lot of speed in here with Mr. Crow and uh, Awesome Banner also in the field. I kind of gravitated, although he doesn't have a great post. He drew the far outside, but Divining Rod, I think, has turned into a really strong one-mile, one-turn specialist. Uh, narrowly missed winning Cigar Mile last year. Uh, had a really good comeback race at Laurel in the Mud in August. Didn't do so well on the four go two back against Dreyfung, but bounced right back with a good second to uh, Sharp Azteca and the Kelso. Uh, I, I think this horse is really being primed for a strong uh, final two races of the year, this race and the uh, Cigar Mile. So I'm kind of gravitating in his direction uh, given the likely fast pace scenario. All right. Well, we've been talking with Vance Hansen. Vance, I thank you so much for uh, for being on the show. It was good to have you on again. And I hope you have uh, a great Breeders' Cup uh, weekend next week and uh, look forward to having you back on in, in the future, my friend. Well, thank you, John. A happy Breeders' Cup to you and all the listeners and uh, hope to talk to you again down the road real soon. Okay, that was Vance Hansen. I want to thank Tim Gleishaw. I got to learn a lot about him. And, man, you, you guys, you got to get in his corner, man. Uh, you know, uh, Bouchero and Bullard Zaley. He's the Rodney Dangerfield of Thoroughbred Trainers. And I don't care, uh, long shots or not, this guy knows how to train a horse. And you're going to be hearing about this guy in the future. So I want to thank Vance and Tim I'm glad uh, Matt Widener is back out of his hospital bed, and he's with us tonight punching all the buttons and keeping me in line. want to remind you, tune in next week. Probably going to have a uh, Breeders' Cup contest up on e- a- the uh, winningponies.com site. You definitely want to pull down your easy win forms for Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you come to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.